Cloud Native Poster Series with Kurt Sand of Broadcom. Cloud Native, SD-WAN, Analytics, Machine Learning, Agile Development and Testing, Edge Computing, DevOps, Service Management, Enterprise Architecture, Hybrid IT, Neural Networks, Cybersecurity, Serverless, Low-Code, No-Code, Big Data, Integration. You're listening to the IntelliX Podcast, where we bridge modern and legacy technology and untangle the buzzwords to help business and IT leaders connect the dots to achieve digital transformation. Disclaimer, the perspectives expressed in this show are the independent opinions of the hosts and or guests and do not necessarily reflect the position of Intellix or any companies mentioned here. And now, your host, Jason English. All right. Well, welcome to the Intellix Thoughtcast. Today's guest is Kurt Sand. He's the SVP of Automation Solutions for Broadcom. Thanks for joining me, Kurt. Thanks, Jason. Great to be here. Yeah. Can we just have a brief introduction to what you're doing at Broadcom now and how that fits into uh, the overall cloud native landscape? Sure. So maybe many of you already know by now, but Broadcom acquired CA Technologies. So that's how we ended up part of the Broadcom family now, which has been a great journey for us all. What we're focusing on inside our enterprise software division, which is what we formed when we came into Broadcom, is an end-to-end software solution that we call BizOps that starts from the front end of figuring out what to build and doing portfolio analysis through agile execution, through the software development, you know, CI/CD pipeline, all the way out to production and monitoring customer experience. Yeah, that's that's a lot of coverage. So that basically uh, spans the whole life cycle from a strategic planning point of view all the way to kind of the execution and deployment, right? Yeah, that's right. I mean, and we have an open data integration platform that we pulled it all together. And of course, we embrace a broader ecosystem, totally understand that people won't necessarily use all the pieces from us, but we do our best to make sure that we pull it together in an integrated way. So given that broad broad uh, coverage, I guess that's why they call it Broadcom, right? But um, given that broad coverage, I mean, what, what technologies would you say are kind of upstream or downstream from your solution? Or is it really, is it really more of a thread that kind of runs through various uh, different kinds of software that are used in, in the overall life cycle? Uh, sure. I mean, well, there's definitely still stuff upstream of us. You know, if you think about like HR systems or CRM or financial mm-hmm. systems, right, that, that would be data feeds into our platform to understand the finance, the sales, the customer data, you know, the things that give a, a business context to, to our customers. I think we're pretty comprehensive then all the way through software delivery and software operations, but there's certainly other things downstream around us like data center infrastructure management, you know, boxes still live in buildings and buildings have heating and cooling and space and all that Mm -hmm. other complexity of the data centers itself. You know, what challenges do you find that your customers are facing when they kind of embark on a journey like this? I think, where we all live today, the first one is just incredible rapid change. You know, I think it's something that we set off to help customers adapt the change faster, but none of us could have predicted change would come this quickly. Um, and you, you tack that on top of a ever increasing complexity in the actual landscape, right? As we look at these cloud native landscapes, you know, for the most part, 
people still have a hybrid world, you know, potentially mainframes still on-premise, traditional on-premise, private cloud, and then growing technologies in the cloud, lots of new ephemeral container-based stuff that comes and goes so fast. And you kind of add that broad and broad landscape at the same time you're trying to deal with fast change. And that seems to be where a lot of our conversations start these days. Hmm. So, you know, one of the big parts of your kind of rollout is this, uh, you're announcing what's called BizOps. And so what is BizOps and how does that tie into this story? So we we kind of think of uh, BizOps as having three key kind of subdomains, if you will. So the first being value ops, and that's traditionally been breaking down those silos between strategy and agile execution. Then, you know, you look at DevOps, where really done an awesome job at breaking down kind of the dev and test, continuous integration, continuous test. And then the third domain of AI ops, which is really about breaking down the ability to troubleshoot proactively between kind of software and infrastructure. But then when we take the BizOps view, we realize that there's, there's really chronic misalignment across those domains between the business domain, the dev domain, and the ops domain. What we're really releasing is a, something we call automation.ai, which is a platform that brings in data from those different domains, um, integrates that, correlates it, and help us get new decision-making insights across that end-to-end view. Yeah, that's a big part of the story we've seen so far. I mean, um, I think most of the focus uh, in the early days of cloud computing were really just about, uh, you know, provisioning the resources or running applications in the cloud. And now as the intelligence level increases, you're finding that the cloud resources are being used even more extensively for purposes like AI. So, you know, what's your secret sauce as far as processing AI using the cloud native resources? Sure. So, you know, we've gone at this from a few different angles of trying to do squared out AI projects where we can show value to to end users. So if you think about in the uh, dev test domain, one of the really big challenges we went after was the constant bottleneck of test automation itself taking longer and longer to run. And what we've realized if if we can reorder the tests, we can more likely run the tests that will fail earlier and fail faster. So one example there is a bunch of machine learning that we do to figure out as we observe tests run and as we observe changes come through the pipeline, how to reorder the test to put the ones most likely to fail first. That's Hmm. one AI project. Another example would be observing the quality of a software project underway and analyzing different characteristics of it and comparing it to others. And with that, we assign a release risk score. And we're trying to really elevate the uh, the conversation that every time you release software, you always take risk, right? You, yeah. also, you also hopefully get some reward, <laughs> right? But we're trying to help people kind of balance that risk reward where you're saying, you know, should I hold on to it just 30 more days in my test lab and burn more risk or is it time to ship and what's the reward of doing it now versus waiting and helping people make that right timing decisions. Then of course, downstream on the On the ops side, there's a lot to do with these very complex, growing hybrid cloud environments to ingest that data and use machine learning to really dig for those anomalies and Mm -hmm. try to help people troubleshoot faster, you know, find issues earlier across that full stack. So we're trying to bring the integrated data together. And one other thing, if I could say, too, is also bring the data to the other um, personas, 
So for example, having the DevOps persona really see the operational data and having the operational persona see the development data while it's in flight and making sure that they each get overlapping data that they need to make their job easier. Yeah, that's an interesting angle because I I think people, uh, they think of testing and then at a higher level, observability is just about looking at the inner workings of the software. But there's also this kind of process awareness that needs to happen right between those teams. As people are pushing issues from operations back to development, I mean, how, how do they make sense of all of that without, without a lot of kind of help on, on, along the way, wouldn't you say? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think that's why AI is making this possible because it's just become too much data for humans to really digest fast enough, or if, even at all. You certainly can't just throw more people at it and figure it out. You know, so what we try to do is give very simple starting graphics like a score a pre-production score a post-production score you know something like a an a b c or a d now that gives you a quick view and then you can click on that and go down and down and down and see the evidence of all of the different characteristics we use to build that score to figure out where to take a remedy but you really want that kind of easy simple first glance view and then you want the depth behind it to kind of one trust the algorithms but then two take action well, that's a that's a pretty significant change, um, as far as that the level of coverage you've uh, you're achieving with that. Do you have any interesting kind of stories about how customers might be leveraging this now? Yeah, a few. So, you know, there's a really large uh, movie theater chain that we've worked with really closely, um, and by them bringing both operational data um, and actually all their transactional data together. They've been able to do some really interesting things to, to drive the business. For example, looking at correlation between styles of movies and what people buy at the concession stand mm-hmm. or movies that are selling out more than others and like pushing it to more screens. Um, even examples of, depending upon the season that you're in, the number of humans sitting in seats, do you actually turn up the HVAC, turn on the HVAC? So it's kind of cool like around integrated data that you get all the way from business transactions through your operations. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So what would you, what would you see as a, as a pretty unique trend to watch over the next one or two years? I think hybrid is here to stay, I guess, is my one point of view. I mean, I think what happens in the cloud will keep evolving and what happens on-premise will keep evolving. But I think most large enterprises that we work with will continue to have that mix. And that complexity, I think, is here with us to stay. I also would say that AI and ML are, are math that have been around for eons. You know, the real, the real clever thing is how we apply it to uh, assist humans in making better decisions. And even in a survey that we recently conducted, it's, you know, 80% of the people definitely believe that AI is helping humans make better decisions. Yeah. So I think we've gotten past this, like the robots are going to take over the world and more of how does AI actually just help us do what we do, but do it better. And I see that only growing over time. Yeah, I think it's it's really being employed to solve some of the most, the stickiest problems that we have ever had. And definitely in our coverage, we're, we're very sympathetic to this idea that, you know, most companies can never leave, fully leave that legacy behind. It's, it's, it's always going to be a, a hybrid world where you bring all of the systems forward. And then you really think about running applications and application workloads where they make the most sense. 
Um, I kind of uh, am interested in how do you perceive risk in, in this kind of environment? How do you basically apply an algorithm to understand how, how much risk there is in, in a release environment and what kind of value is available on the back end from that? Yeah, so the risk score, there's a bunch of things that we can look at. We can look at a m- amount of changes that were made. Typically, the more changes you make, the more risk there is. Mm-hmm. We can also look at the tests that were executed, both quantity of tests, coverage of tests compared to previous runs, um, of course, also test failures. And then we can also look at feedback from production on how well have past releases that are very similar performed. Mm. Those are kind of three examples. And, and there's more that we're evolving in the algorithm as we're bringing more and more data from more customers into it. Yeah. And then on production side, of course, a lot of what you're trying to do is really monitor backwards now customer experience. So actually um, sit there at the, at the edge of where users are using the application and seeing what journeys they're taking, where they're getting stuck, where they're failing out is a big part of the current scores of post-production. Of course, with the traditional stuff like performance, you know, another example we have is we work with a retail store that just uh, pushed out tablets to all of its sales clerks. Oh. And, and the dropout was really high, meaning that they just weren't getting end-to-end to the purchase on the tablets. And although this customer was really advanced in their DevOps pipeline, they could push updates really fast. But after a gazillion updates, they hadn't improved. And it was only once we instrumented the app on the tablet and we actually could see where the people were getting lost it just wasn't clear to the designers that they had made some things hard to, vi- to find and a few workflows that weren't so obvious. So mm-hmm. it's an interesting thing. You can have really great performance on the tablets. You can have really fast delivery, but if you don't know where the issues are, you still don't solve it. Right. That does bring it all back home. I mean, really, it's about the customer experience after all. So if you're centering the change around that, that's, that's digital transformation. Yeah. Otherwise, you just keep trying and hoping and trying and hoping, right? Instead of having some real feedback loop from the customer. Mm -hmm. Any final thoughts that you'd like to add? Yeah, just really thanks for the time. And this is definitely an exciting journey that we're on, adding a data integration layer and bringing AI ML to real projects. So we look forward to taking it out into the wild with customers and maybe stepping back with you after we get some more feedback and tell you what we've learned. Excellent. Well, thanks, Kurt, for joining me. Yeah, and good luck with that. It's a very pretty exciting scope of a project you're undertaking there, but kind of cool to hear some of the results Thank so you far. for listening to the awesome. Intellix podcast. If you have any questions or ideas for future episodes, feel free to drop us an email at pr at intellix.com. Until next time, keep on transforming.